There we go. That was pretty peppy music. Yep, get me going. Um, would you stand with me for the reading of the word? And uh, if you need a Bible, please help yourself to any on the back table, and they're yours to keep if you need a Bible. Reading from 1 Samuel chapter 2, selected verses. We're going to start with verse 12 and jump around a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Verse 17. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each, each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah, and his wife saying, may the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Verse 26. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. This is the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, for its truth, for its power. Open our hearts this morning. Give us ears to hear that we may hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I can't think when I read that Samuel continued to grow in stature that uh, one of our sons is about six foot six and his name is Samuel. <laughs> so that popped into my mind there. Um, the title of this message this morning is God's People, Identity and Purity. And I want to talk about identity and purity. And not just the identity and purity of Eli's sons and Samuel, although we'll look at that. But I want to relate it to our identity and purity. Our identity and our purity. We might go back and forth between identity and purity. I want to bring in the idea of God's presence and how that relates. But I want to start with the topic of identity because I believe that purity should flow out of identity and not the other way around. And uh, if you don't know me, my name's Paul, and apart from being a pastor here, I also work at an elementary school. And this year, I have a new identity of sorts, new identity. Uh, I'm not a secret agent. I mean, but would I tell you if I was? Anyway, I'm not a superhero. It's really not that big a deal. But sadly, 
I am no longer a gym teacher. I know, I know. I am now a music teacher. But there we go. Okay, but like I still in the hall, there's kids who I've taught gym for several years, and they look at me wistfully. How come you're not teaching gym? Like, what happened? Are you going to teach gym? Like, I explain it, but... I almost feel like I betrayed them somehow, but I know I didn't. It's, it's fine. I didn't do anything wrong. But the point is that my identity, even in that small piece, is different. And identity matters. There's lots of different kinds of identity. Sometimes they come and go. Sometimes they change for the good. Sometimes they change for the wrong reasons. Some identities are in name only. We find that in this passage. They're actually false identities. They're hollow, untrue. And as God's people, we want to understand our identity. And we want to live out our identity to fully experience it. It can be a pivotal moment in our lives to understand, to appreciate, to value, and to experience who we are in Christ Jesus. Let's look at our passage in 1 Samuel. The full passage is chapter 2, verses 11 to 36. And we're talking about biblical priests. Both Samuel and the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were considered priests. But wow, what a contrast. Their behaviors, their hearts were vastly different. And what was the role and the identity of a priest in the Old Testament. It's a big topic, so these are just a few thoughts. Priests were set apart for a life of service to God. There was something, there should have been something different about being a priest. They were set apart. They had a distinct role a distinct identity. And Samuel's mother, Hannah, she understood this when she brought the young Samuel to Eli. So now I give him to the Lord. I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. For Samuel 1.28. The priest was also a go-between or a mediator between the people and God. In Old Testament times, the people could not directly approach God. They could not offer sacrifices on their own. They had to bring the offering to the priest, and then the priest would offer the sacrifice on their behalf. Mary Evans, in her commentary, states that the priests had the responsibility to fulfill God's requirements, and to help the people to serve God. Help the people to serve God. 
And we see in this passage how Eli's sons did not fulfill their priestly role at all. They were priests in name only. Their identity was completely false. What about us? What about me? Do I have a false identity? Do we have a true identity? And sometimes we've talked about this. Sometimes the Old Testament just lays out the story as a narrative, and you're kind of left wondering, was that, were those, that character's actions right or wrong? Like, how do I look at it? You have to interpret it. Not so here. In this case, we are given really clear information. Eli's sons were scoundrels. That's the NIV. If you look at it more closely, I think scoundrels is getting them off pretty easy. They had no regard for the Lord. So it wasn't just their actions. It was their heart. They had no regard. Here they were supposedly set apart for service to God, and they had no regard for God. Eugene Peterson points out that it was traditional in Israel for priests to get their meals from the sacrificial offerings, but Hophni and Phinehas wanted choice pieces. You can read about it. It may seem confusing to us with the fork and the meat, but the point is they were greedy. They weren't supposed to take the meat when it was raw and then cook it up for themselves barbecue style, that's what, it wasn't about that. There was a purity to it, a holiness. Hophni and Phineas saw religion as a chance for privilege and power. They were so far wrong. They had no regard for the Lord. And notice their abuse of power in verse 16. If a person would object to them taking the raw meat because they realized that wasn't how you did it, the response was, no, hand it over. If you don't, I'll take it by force. They were supposed to be priests set apart for God's service Eli's sons are also sexually exploitative. We read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. They were even abusing their power sexually. And there's just so much filth, wrongdoing, abuse of power, underlying heart issues, no regard for the Lord. And they stand as a strong warning as a sobering reminder for us to ask those soul-searching questions. Do we have regard for the Lord? Do I have regard for the Lord? Do my actions reflect my identity as God's servant. 
In Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The reverential awe, the holy fear of God. This has to be part of our identity as God's people. In contrast to Hophni and Phinehas, there is Samuel. We read, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. There it is. The presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord that is needed. We cannot grow into our identity as God's people without God's presence. It's like a plant trying to grow without soil, light, or air. We need God's presence. The psalmist declares to God, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 1611, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. God's presence. We need God's presence. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit filling us, guiding us, empowering us. We say, come, Holy Spirit. The boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Then he continued to grow. And the boy Samuel, we read in verse 26, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. And then it goes on in verse 35, and God said, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. Samuel would be raised up. Eli and his sons would be judged. Hophni and Phinehas would die. And the priestly line of Eli would decline. I also want to highlight verses 18 and 19. If you have your Bibles open, you can look at them. They really touched my heart, brought me to tears. An example of a mother's ongoing, trying not to cry now, love for her child, despite being physically separated from them for most of the time. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Hannah did not forget 
about Samuel. How could she? How could she? Really highlights the sacrifice that she made. We've contrasted Eli's sons and Samuel. We've talked about their identity. We clearly have a non-example. Don't follow Eli's sons. An example in Samuel of priestly identity. But how does this relate to us? This is the Old Testament. What, What does the Old Testament priesthood have to do with us today? I'd like to read from 1 Peter chapter 2, just a beautiful connection. I'm going to read some selected verses, 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 4. It's a wonderful passage. As you come to him, that is Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Does it change our perspective, our attitudes, our actions, when we begin to understand, to grow into, to experience our identity? You are God's special possession, God's special possession. The next time you're struggling when fear, anxiety, shame is threatening to crowd in, declare it. I am God's special possession. I am a child of God. God loves me. God loves you. He sent Jesus for you. You are valuable to the King of Kings and Lord of lords, and we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are set apart. Our identity is different. We are set apart. Amen. Amen. To serve God. We are living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. We're chosen. God chooses you. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, know that God is choosing you. Jesus is saying, come, follow me. 
And all you have to do is get up and follow. You don't need to have it all figured out. You don't have to be clean. You don't have to be pure because the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Come to Jesus as you are because Jesus is now both sacrifice and high priest. In Hebrews 7, we read, such a high priest, that's Jesus, truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because he, Jesus, sacrificed for their sins once for all, one time for all, when he offered himself. Our identity as God's people is only possible because of the sacrificial death of Jesus. We believe and follow. Claim your identity. Rise up, church. Rise up, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I want to leave us with some thoughts about purity. We've talked about identity. Let's look at purity. I think we've touched on purity already. I think the point is obvious that Eli's sons lacked purity, and Samuel certainly in this passage is an example to follow. So I want to focus on us, on our church. And I believe that Purity should flow out of our identity in Christ. We can and we should build our purity around our identity. We need to establish and understand who we are, and then out of that will flow our purity. God has called us God has set us apart. He's chosen us to be a royal priesthood. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 15-16. And Peter is referencing Leviticus. It says in Leviticus, Be holy because I am holy. It wasn't just a bunch of rules. The Old Testament is also about the heart. It is the same God that desires mercy, not sacrifice. In terms of purity, in my opinion, a good place to start and to keep coming back again and again is the fruit of the Spirit. That passage in Galatians 5. 
and I heard a message from another pastor, and what he said really stuck with me. He was talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit, and he said, gifts you are given and fruit you grow. Gifts you're given, fruit you grow. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we think of purity, we need to realize that as believers, the Holy Spirit, a person of the triune God, indwells us. Isn't that amazing and humbling? The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And purity enables us to draw into deeper communion with God. Professor Christine Hayes has stated that impurity and holiness are opposites. Impurity and holiness are opposites. And I believe the ultimate goal of purity should be to experience the presence of God more fully. It's not just purity for its own sake. It's purity so that we can commune with our holy God. And in this way, we stop focusing on ourselves and what we're doing or not doing. And we bask in the light of God and His holy presence.